Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Well, hello there, and welcome to today's program. Uh, Only two more left after today. Uh, For the remainder of this school year, we take the summer off on collaborative problem-solving at home. Yes, I know that parents don't take the summer off, but um, on this program, we take a little break over the summer and um, recharge our batteries and uh, come back in September uh, kicking again and trying to help people understand challenging kids and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach. Uh, Another gray, dreary day here in uh, the Boston area. Uh, Apparently, we're in for this the entire week. So my uh, front lawn is looking good, but my opportunities to actually mow it, tremendously limited. And, of course, um, well, gray, dreary weather sometimes makes people feel gray and dreary, but, well, not on this program. Um, going to try to be optimistic, um, even though life with a challenging kid can be extremely hard. Um, good to be optimistic, good to be hopeful, even though that's hard to pull off sometimes, but hopefully uh, this program can help a little. That's why Lives in the Balance sponsors this program, to provide hope, uh, knowledge, um, support, uh, So, as always, these are your 45 minutes. We've been getting quite a few callers uh, over the past several weeks, and that's fantastic. Callers always take priority on the program. If you do want to call in, once again, that number is 347-994-2981. If you have a question about your child's lagging skills, if you have a question about your child's unsolved problems, if you have any questions at all about how to do Plan B, um, if you're running into trouble using it, uh, why this is the uh, time to call in. This is your time. Um, if you're not the calling in type, as always, you can send me a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. And that website is, once again, www.liveswithav, 
inthebalance.org. So what's on your mind today? Um, no callers yet for today's program, so I am going to start with some email. We have been uh, neglecting the email uh, lately just because we've had so many callers, and callers is a good thing, email is a good thing, but here we go. Here's one. Uh, Dr. Green, I have read, watched, reread, rewatched everything on the Lies in the Balance website. I have a challenging 16-year-old daughter, said to be ODD, according to our counselor. Uh, once again, ODD stands for Oppositional Defiant Disorder. Once upon a time, I thought I was a good parent, thought I was doing a good job raising two girls by myself, teaching morals, values, right and wrong, expectations, consequences, etc. thought I was doing it all fairly well. I'm wrong. My 16-year-old is beyond my capacity of knowledge. I am lost. I feel completely, utterly like I have failed. Everything I thought were good things to teach children as they grow up have been thrown out the window. I don't know what to do. Counseling is not giving me the options I need to learn to be a better parent, to ultimately help my daughter, to ultimately teach her the skills she needs to learn to deal with life. Help. Thank you for your email. Um, maybe the things you've been teaching your daughter uh, weren't so bad. N n nope downside to teaching kids about morals or values or right and wrong or expectations. The question is, what's getting in the way of your daughter being able to either abide by or live by the morals, values, teachings about right from wrong and expectations that you've provided? Now, I'm a predictable guy. I usually head straight for lagging skills and unsolved problems when it comes to trying to understand why a child isn't meeting our expectations, isn't living by our morals and values. Now, I don't have enough detail on what it is exactly that your 16-year-old is doing that violates what you've been teaching. Um, I totally empathize with your feelings that you have failed. I'm just not so sure that the things you thought were good things to teach children as they grow up have necessarily been thrown out the window. Um, you mentioned that you have two girls. Apparently only one of them is having difficulty living by the morals, values, expectations that you've provided. The question is, why, if I'm right, why might one of them be uh, able to live by what you've taught, and why might the other not? don't know if you've failed. Just wonder if it's lagging skills and unsolved problems that are interfering with your 16-year-old daughter being able to take full advantage of the things that you've been teaching. As I've always said about challenging kids, it's not that they don't know right from wrong. It's not a matter of lack of knowledge. They know right from wrong. So maybe you've done a good job of teaching right from wrong. The big question is, 
why do some kids still do more wrong than we would like and still do less right than we would like? And once again, I find that that's because of lagging skills, unsolved problems, and sometimes, often, the manner in which caregivers are going about trying to uh, solve problems. Uh, you mentioned one other word in your email, consequences. Now, depending on what type of consequence you're talking about, natural consequences are, of course, inescapable, unavoidable, inevitable. Uh, not enough detail in your email for me to know, but if it's unnatural, artificial consequences, adult-imposed consequences that you're talking about, well, that brings us next to a discussion about how to solve problems with kids and especially the challenging variety of kid. Um, as you may know, for having been on the website frequently and um, read everything and watched everything, there are three ways to solve problems with a kid, challenging or otherwise. I call them Plan A, Plan B, and Plan C. Plan A is when we are solving problems unilaterally, typically through imposition of adult will, typically with adult-imposed consequences attached. I personally find that Plan A causes challenging behavior in kids who are lacking the skills to handle Plan A. In other words, Plan A causes challenging behavior in challenging kids and often is one of the factors setting the stage for our relationships with challenging kids to head south, to deteriorate. The form of problem solving I favor is Plan B, which is when we are solving problems collaboratively. There's another uh, option, and that's Plan C, and Plan C is actually rather important. Uh, especially if we don't miscomprehend Plan C. A lot of people don't understand Plan C. They think Plan C means giving in, but Plan C is not about giving in. Plan C is about prioritizing because kids with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges often have many unsolved problems, and one of the reasons those unsolved problems remain unsolved is because we adults try to work on too many of them at once. Another reason the unsolved problems remain unsolved is because of the manner in which we try to go about solving those problems, Plan A. But Plan C helps us prioritize and says, well, we can't work on everything at once, so the unsolved problems we're not working on right now, so as to clear space for the ones we are working on right now, those are going to go into Plan C for now. We're going to table them for now. We're not going to work on them for now. So as to clear space and help people child and adult be more available for the unsolved problems that we are working on right now, preferably with Plan B. So, number one, I, I hope that the things that you're watching on the website, even though, and of course I'm reading into your email a little bit here, I'm not quite certain, and of course you're always welcome to call into the program, but if what you've been seeing on the website and reading on the website makes you feel like the way you've been going about doing things hasn't been working and helps you understand why, I, I would actually say that that's a good thing. 
even though it's making you feel like you've failed and that you're lost. I'm delighted that in your email you're saying you want to learn to be a better parent. I hope that collaborative problem solving has a role to play there. And um, one other thing I should say, uh, it's really hard. Number one, it's really hard being the parent of a challenging kid. And number two, implementing collaborative problem solving is really hard. But from your email, it sounds like things are really hard already. So hard is in your future. I hope collaborative problem solving can play a role in helping make things better. And of course, if you want to email back or call in again, delighted to hear from you. Shall we move on to another email? Um, this is one from back in April that I've been trying to answer since then. That's okay. Here's, an, here's the email. Dr. Green, it seems like a lot of people have trouble with their explosive kids in the morning. M maybe that is just true universally for all kids. My daughter is six and has ADHD as well as social issues. The mornings with her can be a total nightmare. There have been times when I was physically and emotionally unable to get her out of the house. We have tried various proactive Plan Bs, none of which helped for more than a couple of days. My question is, what if she and I are unable to come up with a solution that has sustained success? Or what if Plan B includes a reward, like a quarter a day? Is that okay? But the main question is, what if she is just incapable of identifying or articulating exactly what her difficulty is with getting up in the morning? What if the difficulty has nothing to do with her cognitive delays, but is just something that is a physical issue? What if her frustration with a physical issue is something that we cannot find a plan B for? Great questions. Let's take them one at a time. What if she and I are unable to come up with a solution that has sustained success? Well, we'll need to figure out why a solution didn't stand the test of time. And that usually brings me back to some of the very hard work that is supposed to go on in the invitation step, where we are not only brainstorming solutions, but we are considering, before we sign off on the solution, whether the solution we're about to sign off on is truly realistic, meaning both parties can actually do what they're about to agree to do, and the solution is mutually satisfactory meaning the concerns of both parties would truly and realistically be addressed by the solution that we are about to agree upon. What I often find is that uh, solutions that don't stand the test of time weren't as realistic and mutually satisfactory as they first seemed, or we really didn't give all that much thought to whether they were realistic and mutually satisfactory in the first place. We were just so happy and this is understandable, where often there's a great deal of excitement participating in Plan B and having a solution on the table, but we don't want to let the excitement um, cause us to agree to a solution that isn't realistic and mutually satisfactory. 
So we don't want to sign off on a solution just because we have a solution on the table. We want to give it more thought before we sign off on it. So if you ask me what's the main reason I see that solutions don't stand the test of time, that's the answer. Uh, it wasn't as realistic and mutually satisfactory as we thought it was. Now, some other questions, uh, and I'm going to skip around here a little bit just to tie the questions in. Uh, what if she's just incapable of articulating or identifying what her difficulty is with getting up in the morning? Well, good point. She may not know, and this is the interesting thing. We, we want to we don't want to move into solutions until we feel we have some sense of your daughter's concern or perspective on the table as it relates to getting up in the morning. And my usual recommendation, in other words, it's also possible, and this is another reason that sometimes solutions don't stand the test of time. Sometimes solutions don't stand the test of time because the concerns that we were addressing weren't clear enough. We didn't understand the concerns of the two parties well enough to actually come up with a solution. So we're not hell-bent on coming up with a solution. We're hell-bent on making sure that we have two very clear sets of concerns on the table before we start thinking about solutions. If your daughter isn't able to identify and articulate what her concerns are, uh, feel free to do some educated guessing or some hypothesis testing and see if at the very least she can endorse something that you're proposing. I always caution in the empathy step against being a genius, but not being a genius means not assuming that you know what a child's concern or perspective is, but it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to guess, especially if the child isn't able to identify or articulate concerns on their own. All right, so now some more, some more, in, not interesting, these are all interesting, some more, um, some questions that I'm having a little bit harder time answering. What if the difficulty has nothing to do with their cognitive delays, but is just something that is a physical issue? Not sure what you mean by a physical issue. Um, so I'd, I'd have to get more information about what it is exactly that you're referring to there. And then your next question is related to that. What if her frustration with a physical issue is something that we cannot find a plan, a, a solution for? Once again, um, not exactly. It would be easier for me to answer that question if I knew what physical issue you were referring to. So feel free to email back. And And now the last question. What if... Plan B, what if the solution includes some sort of a reward, like a quarter a day? Is that okay? Well, some people think I'm allergic to uh, rewards, adult-imposed rewards and adult-imposed consequences. But I can't say that I'm allergic to them. I just want to make sure that they are worth the potential price that we pay. And what price can be paid? Well, sometimes punishment, often punishment, very reliably punishment, often sets in motion a child's worst episodes. Now, a quarter a day is not a punishment, we might say, but a quarter a day 
can escalate things if a child is getting upset because they're not going to get the quarter that they were anticipating today. That can also set in motion challenging episodes. So so, uh, if we're going to reward or if we're going to punish, I want to make sure that we're willing to pay the price for rewarding and punishing. There's a potential price to be paid for both in the form of setting in motion a challenging episode. But then I also think about what does a reward do? It it encourages, it incentivizes the behavior that we're looking for. In this case, uh, the child getting out of bed and getting out of the house in the morning. And by the way, that's hard. I don't want to make all of this so sound sound so technical that we lose sight of the fact that it's really hard. The question is, what is getting in your daughter's way? And will a quarter or any amount of money or any punishment fix it? So the hard part here isn't whether a reward or a punishment would help. The hard part is that we're still not real clear on why it is that your daughter is having trouble waking up and getting ready for school and getting out in the morning. We we don't know. And here's where I get cautious because I if I don't know what's getting in a kid's way, I certainly don't want to add an intervention that could make things worse. Many of you who listen to this program know that rewards, a child's failure to achieve an anticipated reward, made things worse and didn't fix what was really getting in the child's way in the first place on a given unsolved problem. Punishment, many of you know, made things worse and didn't fix what was getting in the child's way on a given unsolved problem. I like to know what's getting in the way, and then the solutions that would make sense are usually self-evident, and I must say, I haven't heard a concern or perspective that would be fixed by a reward and punishment in a very long time, and that's why I'm very cautious about their use. Hope that makes sense. And... um once again, as with all of our emailers, if you feel it would be helpful to call in and provide some more details so that I can answer even more explicitly, um, happy to uh, help and happy for you to call in. Shall we continue with some more emails? I think we will. Uh, let's see. Hi, Dr. Green. Uh, I read your book on Saturday, implemented on Sunday, and have experienced success already. Now, this email I received back in April, so I hope that that's still true. This is back to the email. My problem is at school. My five-year-old has loads of energy, especially around large groups and during transition times, which I'm assuming is his body's way of telling us he can't handle the sensory input being demanded. I can't be there all day with him, 
and this teacher can't spend 15 minutes every day for each class transition, so what do I do? I've asked him if there are things about switching rooms, classes that bother him, and he doesn't know. I'm not sure he's aware that things bother him. And since his episodes look like hyperactivity that is totally uncontrollable and unstoppable, I'm not sure how to guide his teacher, who is extremely willing to try. Any suggestions? I know this new way of doing things will take time. I guess I'm still strung out from the battle that the last year has been with him. Thank you for emailing. And I guess um, while I have seen kids look like they have loads of energy, especially around large groups and during transition times, while I've seen that be due to sensory issues, I've also seen it be due to other things. So I guess my main piece of advice is that I wouldn't assume that it's sensory um, hyperactivity can be other things too and um, determining why your son is so active and has so much energy will have a great deal to do with what we end up doing about it S similar to the last email in which the question was um, why aren't any of our solutions working yet and my answer being because we're not exactly sure what's getting in the way yet. I don't want to make any assumptions about why uh, your son is so active, uh, especially in large groups, has so much energy, and has difficulty during transition times. Uh, many people who have kids who carry the diagnosis of ADHD would say the very same thing about their child. And uh, if it's ADHD, that well, I'm not a very diagnostically oriented mental health professional, but oftentimes hyperactivity, poor impulse control, inattention, which I'm not reading anything about, are helped by treatments that are typically applied to kids who have the diagnosis of ADHD. So I, and those would be very different interventions than would be applied to a child whose activity level and energy is due to sensory issues, and that would be a different intervention than a child whose hyperactivity uh, and energy during certain times is due to blood sugar issues. Those are three completely different reasons for a child to look like they have loads of energy under specific conditions and three completely different interventions. As I've always said, your explanation guides your intervention. How you explain a child's difficulties has a great deal to do with what we're going to do about it. And the big question is, can your child provide that information? You mentioned that he's five. The answer is maybe yes, maybe no, but I would say that about a lot of 17-year-olds and a lot of 36-year-olds as well. Uh, uh, Activity level, energy, is something that many kids actually don't have a great deal of insight about. Not all, many. And so I don't know if your son's going to be able to give you a ton of information um, about what's going on, in which case you may need 
someone with some expertise in kids who are energetic to give you their impression and help you figure it out. I hope that's a helpful answer. This is the hard part about um, this radio program. You know, when I'm working with a child clinically, I can really dive into the nitty-gritty details, get to know the players well, and really come to my own impressions about what's going on with a child. That is much, well, that's almost impossible to do um, when I'm speaking publicly and hearing about a child who whose difficulties I won't be able to get to know as well as I would like to, or reading an email from a parent. Obviously, we do the best we can, and I don't want to discourage emails or people calling in. It's just we can't always get to the same level of detail that we would if um, I was in a position to get to know a child and the situation as well as I often like. All right. Uh, let me just scan through some of the other one, some of the other emails that I am thinking of answering here. All right. Hi, Dr. Green. This one was sent back in March. You can see how how, how I've been storing these. Uh, I want to thank you for your book and the Lives in the Balance website. The Kids Do All If They Can philosophy has been transformational for me and how I approach our seven-year-old's behavior and lagging skills and, I assume, unsolved problems. I'm still working on my husband, though, and there's uh, a little wink of an eye in the email. My son has a few areas where we need to work on skills, and I'm wondering if you have any age-appropriate recommendations. One is anger management. He is prone to physically lash out at others, uh, me, his brother, a friend, whenever he gets in trouble. Oftentimes the trouble stems from not winning or being perfect at something. Mm. Good to know. It annoys him to no end if his younger brother, five-year-old, beats him at a game or knows something he does not. We've been playing lots of board games as a family in hopes of letting him see that everybody wins and loses, but I'm looking for some things that he can do to help manage his anger as well. He's prone to black and white thinking, but I've been told that this is rather normal for his age. Well, i got to stop reading the email now. Uh, yeah, I guess seven-year-olds tend to be more black and white than ten-year-olds, but and ten-year-olds tend to be more black and white than thirteen-year-olds. But if your seven-year-old's black and white thinking is making it very hard for him to uh, handle not winning or handle not being perfect, or handle his younger brother beating him at a game, or knowing something that he does not, then whether black and white thinking is normal at the age of seven or not, it's getting in the way for your son. I don't worry that much about normal. I worry about what's getting in the way for each individual child. Uh, another area of concern is managing frustration in general. Once again, this goes to not being perfect and sibling competitiveness. So if his brother can climb up a ladder at the playground and he can't, he has trouble dealing with it. He meets with the school counselor once a week. Uh, I had a meeting with her, the principal and his teacher, and brought up your work. They, they would rather we follow the counselor's advice to just not react when he gets mad, leave the room, etc. My issue with that is it's not reality, nor is it teaching him how to deal with his anger. In the real world, everybody's not going to leave when he gets mad. Good point. 
I think if you listed some of the major lagging skills um, and resources to teach those skills on your website, that might help. Thanks for any and all advice. You're welcome, and thank you for emailing. So you've raised many different issues, and quite frankly, this might take us to the end of the program. We'll see. Uh, Here's thing number one. I understand that we want to work on anger management and managing frustration in general. Truth is, I would treat those as synonymous. So I'm going to call it managing frustration. So I think that's when people tend to get angry, when they're having difficulty handling frustration. You've told us where your son is on the spectrum of looking bad. He lashes out physically. But the reality is managing frustration, I understand the desire to work on it, is just at the moment too vague. You're going to help your son manage frustration better by helping him work on the specific unsolved problems in which he's having over which he's having difficulty managing his frustration. So you've told us some good ones and these we would call unsolved problems. Unsolved problems once again are the specific conditions in which a child is lacking the skills to deal with the demands that are being placed upon him. So Uh, You've told us that your son is a black-and-white thinker. I'm going to take that ball and run with it, age-appropriate or not. Um, When he's having difficulty with not winning, I'm assuming, and and I'm delighted that you've bought into the kids-do-all-if-they-can philosophy, I'm assuming that he would handle winning well if he could handle winning well. If he's not handling winning well, it must be that something about handling winning, handling not winning, I'm sorry, is exceeding the skills that he has to respond adaptively to not winning. Because if he could respond to not winning well, he would respond to not winning well. Another one, when he's not perfect at something, uh, if he could handle not being perfect at something well, he would, because kids do well if they can, and because doing well is preferable. So I'm going to assume that he doesn't have the skills to handle not being perfect at something. Otherwise, he'd be handling not being perfect at something well. One other, uh, two other unsolved problems you've mentioned. Um, His younger brother beating him at a game, or his younger brother knowing something that he does not. Two more unsolved problems. Now, good. Good to know that there are specific unsolved problems in which that your son is having difficulty handling adaptively, is lacking the skills to handle adaptively. Now, your solution to that has been to play lots of board games as a family in hopes of letting him see that everybody wins and loses. Now that now, now you're losing me a little, because I don't know if he has been a participant in that solution, and I'd want to hear about the specific concerns he has about each of those unsolved problems, one at a time, then whether playing lots of board games as a family would solve any of those problems would become crystal clear. I'm a little worried that playing board games as a family, lots of board games together as a family, wasn't a solution that was arrived at collaboratively and may have been a solution that was arrived at without really having a clear sense about what your son's concerns are on each specific 
unsolved problems. So the, the, the main message you're getting from me here is, I got it. We want to have him handle frustration better. But helping him handle frustration better, which is a very global goal, will be accomplished by helping him solve each of the problems that are circumstances in which he's having trouble handling his frustration. In other words, I don't really have any uh, specific way to teach handling frustration in general. All I have is ways for people to collaborate with kids on solving these specific unsolved problems that let us know he's having difficulty handling his frustration over those unsolved problems. I hope that makes good sense. Now, back to the advice that the counselor is giving. I don't have a great deal of I'm I'm delighted for people not to react when your child gets mad. I'm delighted for adults not to cause things to escalate, delighted for adults not to throw fuel on the fire, but I agree with you. Your son's going to need more than that. I mean, he's letting us know that he's lacking the skills to handle those specific unsolved problems, not winning, not being perfect, losing at a game to his younger brother, his younger brother knowing something that he doesn't know. If he could handle those well, he would handle those well, just leaving him alone in many kids, by the way, not all. Some kids, you leave them alone, they get worse. But I'm, I'm glad that the instinct of the counselor is to not cause things to escalate. The real issue, quite frankly, is not what people are going to do in the heat of the moment when your son's already upset. The real issue is to identify these specific conditions. Once again, they're called unsolved problems in which your son is getting upset engage him in a collaborative process in which those problems will be solved. And then he won't be getting upset in the heat of the moment, and we adults won't have to wonder what to do in the heat of the moment. Is that going to be easy? No, it's going to be hard. Are there still going to be times when he gets upset while you're on the way there? No question about it. Are there things that could get in the way of doing Plan B well? Yes, but better to have those things get in the way proactively than emergently. Uh, to your last point, I think if you listed some of the major lagging skill areas and resources to teach those skills on your website, that might be of help. Well, now here's the thing. Um, the, the lagging skills are listed on the newly revised Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems. You'll find that in the paperwork section of the website. But you've just heard the way I teach the vast majority of those lagging skills, not directly, indirectly, by solving problems collaboratively. Actually, not exactly sure how we would teach getting good at not winning directly. I'd go about teaching that skill, solving that problem collaboratively and proactively. I don't know how to teach the general skill of handling frustration well. I only know how to indirectly teach handling frustration well by solving the problems collaboratively and proactively that are setting in motion episodes in which your son is letting us know that he's frustrated. So 
Um, I can't list resources to teach those skills because, generally speaking, I teach those skills by solving problems collaboratively, which is plan B. I hope that helps, and I thank you for your email. We actually have time for one more. Let me scan some of these. Uh, Hi, Dr. Green. Almost finished with the explosive child. This is back in March, so you're probably finished by now. Struggling with my beautiful little four-year-old girl who... No, it doesn't say girl. Why do I think it's girl? Yeah, girl. Who just can't seem to cope. I'm scared to death of her entering kindergarten in the fall. Note home from preschool today said she was really taking a toll on the teachers and what they are trying to accomplish in their classroom. I am so sad right now for my little girl. Uh, Started two years ago with concerns to her pediatrician. Advice was to put a lock on her bedroom door and let her stay in there for time out. Any suggestions for this heartbroken mom? Boy, it is tough out there. Um... And collaborative problem solving is hard to implement, but um, I'm glad that you've gotten a hold of the explosive child. Um, But I'm going to give you the generic advice that I give a lot of folks. Let's see what would happen if you... uh, download the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems from the Lives in the Balance website, got a good handle on your child's, your daughter's lagging skills so that you have the right lenses on, got a good handle on the highly specific unsolved problems that are reliably and predictably setting in motion challenging episodes for your daughter. Boy, these are things that putting a lock on her bedroom door won't fix. And, you know, the fact that the teachers feel that she's taking a toll on the on the teacher, on them, and, and that what they're trying to accomplish in the classroom, I, you know, I feel bad for them, too, and I feel bad for the other kids in the class, but it sounds like they may be having difficulty understanding your daughter and having the right lenses on as well and knowing what your daughter's unsolved problems are. And then give it a whirl. Try to implement, if you haven't already, collaborative problem solving. Try to do plan B on some of the unsolved problems and see how far it gets you. And if you're finding that it's not getting you very far, one option is to email back or call into this program and see if I can help from a distance. Um, If you need more than that, then email me back and I'd be delighted to try to help you find someone in your area who's familiar with collaborative problem solving. Give it a whirl, though, if you haven't already. You emailed in very late March. It's now mid-May. Let's see how things are going on your own. If you need help, I'll try to get you the help you need. You know where to find me. That's what Lives in the Balance is for. In the meantime, we are about out of time for today's program. No callers today. 
which means we were able to respond to five different emailers. That must be a record for us on this program. I'll try to get to all the other emails on the next program. Um, in the meantime, have a good week. Good luck with Plan B. If you need more help, always happy to try to provide it from a distance. Happy also to help you find resources in your local area to help you if this program and all of the resources on the Lives in the Balance website don't get you all the way there. If you're not getting all the way there, it doesn't mean you failed. You just need a little bit more help implementing collaborative problem solving and perhaps a little bit more expertise implementing the model, understanding your child, dealing with the stuff that comes up in the lives of challenging kids and families and classrooms. I'll be back next week with another program. I hope you've found today's program to be helpful. Talk to you next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh.